0: Hello and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our Soquel location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: All right. Hey, good morning everybody. Good to see you today. If we've never met, my name is Tim, and I'm part of the team here at Hope. And uh, this is the part of our service, our gathering, where we will open up the Bible and we will look at some truth that God has for us today. And uh, we believe that there is life in these words of God. We believe that God has something in store for you today, that this isn't just like a religious box that you check, you go to church. Um, This isn't just something that you get to come and hear somebody who hopefully delivers something that interests you and is fascinating to you and is, you know, something that makes a difference in your life. This is what God wants to do. He wants to make a difference in your life today. He wants you to leave to walk out of these doors different than when you walked in. And so today we're gonna do that. We're gonna talk about what the Bible has to say and some truth of God. And we're gonna ask God to do something special um, in our hearts and in our lives. I don't know about you, but I walked in these doors this morning needing lots of things. And probably you're in the same boat. Um, and so God is here today to meet our needs and has something special for us. So. Uh, today we're going to jump in. Today is the last Sunday of our Dwell series. So this this intro that you saw here, those were women from all across our three locations in Santa Cruz County and um, reciting Psalm 23. And we've been walking through what does it look like to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a second. But um, a few weeks ago, I had the great opportunity to travel to Madrid, Spain, and spend a week there with other ministry leaders from across the world, and it was it was an amazing time, a beautiful city, beautiful country. Um, has anyone um, ever been to Madrid before? Anybody? Yep. Carrie actually lived in Madrid, so she lives, so she beats us all. She actually like, lived there. Um Uh, Yeah, it was. It's it's an amazing city. It it was so much fun. We got we ate, you know, just really great food, and we stayed in the heart of the city, and so we were just sort of able to um, to experience just the city life and the culture and the rhythm of the city. And in fact, um, where we were staying, my uh, the windows I had I was like in the on a corner, and the windows on both sides of the corner opened up fully, like both windows on both sides of the corner and there was this huge tree right outside my window huge tree and um, and where where my bed was I could lay I could look out the windows and the breeze was coming in and the tree was sort of blowing in the wind and I could hear the rhythm of the city down on the street and it was just some of the most relaxing You know, it was one of the most relaxing environments I've ever been in. It was just so life-giving. I just, like, sort of laid there at different times and just, like, listened and, you know, looked at things and talked to God. And it was just, it was a beautiful time. But we went to this city called Toledo. Toledo. Now, it's about an hour, I think, outside of Madrid. And uh, there's a sister city in the U.S. We pronounce it Toledo, Ohio. Uh, but Toledo is actually a first-century city. This city was around during the days of Christ. As Christ, as Jesus was sort of doing his thing over here, Toledo was doing its thing. Like, it was, it, it's amazing, this, the history of it. And we had a reason for being there. We weren't just sightseeing, but we did see a lot of the sites there. We spent a day there. And in fact, th- this is the city right here. Take a look. This is Toledo. This is sort of on a, 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 the bank of a river over here. And we were uh, taking pictures of the city. And I mean, you could see like churches and over the centuries, you know, this, this thing. You could see see the, the wall of the city right there kind of comes around. That's like the original wall of the city. And um, this big building to the left here is, is what used to be the palace uh you know and so the the aristocrats they lived like right there and then all these things i mean it's a first century city you guys it's 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 pretty amazing in fact just to prove just to prove that i was actually there look at this picture yeah now there we go i have my rip curl hat on right i got to represent santa cruz you know in toledo spain but um but yeah, we had an amazing time there. But right in the center of the city is this archway right here. When you look at this archway, this, this stone structure right here that is the archway, this thing has been there since the beginning almost. It's it's legendary, it has survived wars and civil wars and you know wars with other countries, and I mean it's this just this very famous arch but if you look closer what what do you see like inside the arch do you, do you, do you see it you see another another arch there um, this arch right here that's in the forefront is sort of uh, European so it's a, it's a European sort of classic traditional the second arch that you see through there is is Arab right so when the Muslims came in and that sort of that season of the city's history, they built like a bunch of stuff on their own and they built this like this secondary arch that's right through there. It's fascinating. Like one visual you can see like like hundreds of years, you know, almost thousands of years of history with these two arches. Now what you can't see is in between the two arches and it runs throughout all of the buildings that are right here is the original wall of the city. And you can actually go into different places here and you can see the original wall. It's like, you know, you go into a coffee shop and on one side of the coffee shop will be the the original wall of the city. Like you imagine these people building this, you know, over 2000 years ago, you know, and of course they were thinking someday this is probably going to be a wall feature in a coffee shop. Right, um, People are going to be getting some lattes, you know, some you know, cinnamon, vanilla, gingerbread lattes, you know, right here. Um, no, but you can't see it, though. I mean, there's this first arch, the second arch, but what you can't see is the original wall that's in there. And it was a reminder to me of what we're doing here in this dwell series and really what we do every Sunday that we gather. Every time that we get together and we open up the Bible, what we're looking for is the more that God has for us. There's more than meets the eye. We don't come here just to sort of hear good things, encouraging things, and go about our way and hope that we're right with God. Now, God has more for us. He wants us to dig in. He wants us to get beyond the surface and get into really the heart of the thing. And when you see the original wall, as impressive as this is, and it really is impressive when you're standing there looking at it, as impressive as this is, it doesn't compare to what's on the inside. The original wall is stunning. I mean, every single stone that's in that wall Right, And the mortar that they used is the, just so fascinating, and it's really the star attraction when it comes to this stuff. And so it is with this Dwell series that we've been in. We've been asking God to take what is one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible, Psalm 23. It's what you heard the ladies read uh, you know, here as we started our time together and we covered this. Actually, I was the one who taught that message a month ago when we started this series. You remember, it starts with the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And we started out talking about how God is our leader. He's our shepherd. And because of that, there's nothing that we that we need that that God hasn't given to us. We lack nothing in this life. And so with him as our our leader, and our reality being that we lack nothing, the end of the chapter says, it says this, I better read it so I don't forget words. You anoint my head with oil, my, which is a sign of honor, it's a sign of provision, it's it's a sign of blessing. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Like who doesn't want that in their life, right? Who doesn't want a life that just overflows with good things? Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And so we have God as our leader, right? We lack nothing because of that. He's out front and then behind us. His goodness and his love follows us all the days of our lives. And so he goes before us. He goes behind us. He gives us all things that we need in the middle. It's an amazing thing, right? And then King David, the poet King, says this. And then he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is what we've been talking about. To dwell, as a reminder, means to remain, to sit, to be still. And I will dwell, remain, sit, be still in the house of the Lord forever And if you haven't been with us in this, or maybe you have forgotten, so what's the big deal about that? Why should you care about that? So what? What what does that even mean? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, the house of the Lord is a phrase that was used to describe a relationship with God the creator. And so King David says, I will remain, I'll sit, I'll be still I'll find myself in the life-giving presence of the creator God. Now, who doesn't want that, right? And this is what David says. And so over the course of this last month, we've been unpacking, what does this look like to dwell, to remain, to be still, to sit in the goodness, the life-giving presence of God in every area of our lives, Right. So we started with spiritual health and we've covered all kinds of different areas of health. Last Sunday, if you were here, Chris and Amy taught about mental health. Right. God's goodness, the health that he has in store for us. He wants us to experience in every area of our lives, physical health, financial health, um, personal health, spiritual health. Today, we're going to talk about what does it look like when we dwell in the presence of God, for it to impact our relationships, to have relational health. So everything up until this point has really been about you. You're welcome. Um, it's been all about you for the most part, and and that's okay, right? You sit on an airplane, and what do they say when they do the opening spiel that they do? If it's needed, the oxygen masks will fall down. Put yours on first. And then put, you know, the mask on the people around you, especially the children. Um, same thing. Same thing in walking with Jesus. We've got to get ourselves right. And then as we do that, God begins to, to spill over that rightness to the people around us. It's sort of the way the kingdom works. And so to start off last uh, the, the first message, we read this passage from John 15. Jesus teaches us this. I am the vine. Do you remember this? I am the vine. You are the branches. I'm the source. You grow off of me, he's saying. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. It's a guarantee. There's no, it's a promise from God. You remain in him. Now, this word remain is the same word as dwell. It means abide. It means stay. It means be still. It means to be rooted in, right? You remain in me and I remain in you. You will bear much fruit. And in fact, the opposite side of that promise is true. If you're in me and I'm in you, if we're together in relationship, you will bear fruit. But apart from me, there's nothing you can do of eternal significance, right? If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that's thrown away and it withers. These branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. They amount to nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Jesus says it's good for you to bear fruit. It's to God's glory And in fact, you show yourselves to be my disciples when you bear fruit. And you remember the first week we talked about, we did a little bit of a fruit inspection. How's your fruit? The fruit of the spirit, right? How, How much are you experiencing in your life? And are you reflecting to others when it comes to things like love and joy and peace and patience, right? And patience, and then what about this one? You remember this one? Self control. Ay ay ay. Self control. I had to I had to like force myself to like live in that fruit when I was in Spain because the food was amazing and it was ever present everywhere and everywhere you turn there's another cafe where, you know, it's the right thing to do being in a country To sit and enjoy their coffee, you know, and their pastries and, you know, all of those things. Self-control. How are those fruits in your life? Jesus says when you bear much fruit, you bring glory to God, your creator, and you show other people that you follow after me. So when you show restraint, when you're driving down the highway and you don't, you know flip somebody off when they, you know, cut you off, um, you know, you're, you're showing restraint, right? That's a good thing to do, and I sort of joke about that, but we, we live right off the Freedom exit, and um, just a few days ago, there was a shooting, somebody, road rage shooting, right on Highway 1, right on the 1 by Freedom, and fortunately, no one died, um, but a whole car, a, a car with um, a whole family in it, right, um, experienced the trauma of being, of being shot at for road rage. You know, God has called us to bear fruit. And when we do, we demonstrate to the world around us that there's a better way. God has a better way for us. So what we're going to do is we're going to just continue right in that chapter. We're going to go right to the next verse. And we're going to walk through the next section of verses And God's going to show us what it looks like to have relational health then, to live in communion with him, and for that to spill out into the relationships around us. I don't know about you, but probably one of the most challenging things in my life is the area of relationships, right? Um, You know, it, it could be a dating relationship, it could be a marriage relationship, it could be a classmate. It could be a, a family member. Well, let, let me just pause right there. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you, how many of you have ever had a conflict within your own family? I've heard of people that have that stuff that happens. I've never experienced it myself, but no, we've all experienced that, right? We've all had those conflicts, um, when it comes to relationships, oh, my goodness, this is probably one of the areas, of not the number one area that the enemy of our souls loves to get into and just sort of tweak. You know, he loves to get in there and just twist and turn and and he loves for us to just sort of get out of sorts with people. Right. To just get offended. He loves for us to get offended. You know, I think one of the hallmarks of our culture today is that we're so easily offended all the time. I mean, you can get offended about anything these days, and it's a legitimate thing. And if you, and if you, if you express any kind of, like, reason with someone who's offended, then you're labeled, right? You're labeled a hater, let's say. And you could, like, just in a moment, you could be canceled, right? Because you've, you've simply spoken a little bit of reason into a situation. This is the world that we live in. Relationships are the place where the enemy loves to just get in. It's, it's his playground. He loves to get in there and mess around with them. So this is especially important for us. Let's jump right in. So we are in... John chapter 15, and we're just going to pick it up right in the next verse, verse 9. And here's what Jesus is going to do right now. He's going he's to start us out on this relational journey. And the start of the journey begins with our vertical relationship. Us and God. right? He's going to start with that, and then he's going to move to everybody else. So hold on. It's going to be a little bit of a wild ride. You ready? Here we go. John 15 and verse 9 says this. Jesus is teaching his followers. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So here's our starting point. Here's our starting point today. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So Jesus says, I didn't come here just simply loving you on my own accord. Now, he had the power to do that. But he says, I'm loving you because the Father has loved first. The Father has loved me, and so therefore I'm loving you. And here's what, here's what Jesus is teaching us in this little, this little section of this little verse. That God is our source. It starts with God. God's love has been poured out lavishly to you and me. I mean... Like, unreasonably, God's love has been poured out. While we were still sinners, God says, the Bible says, separated from God because of our rebellion against him. While we were still sinners, hating God because of the actions in our lives, the sin in our hearts, God loved us. While we were still sinners, God first loved us. This is extravagant love, you guys. This is unreasonable love. It's the love that draws us into relationship with God. Because who could love us like that? Who could love us with such a love that even when we push back against him, he says, I got this. Work it out. You know, it's sort of like parenting a toddler who's throwing a temper tantrum, you know, all right, you just kind of sit back, all right, work it out, do your thing, come on, get it out, get it out of your system, and when you're done, I'm still going to be here, and let's process this together, right? This is what God does, and there comes a day when each one of us is presented with his love, and we see it, not because we're especially amazing spiritual human beings. We see it because God presents it to us. And we only see it because he presents it to us. And then he gives us the wherewithal and the ability to choose to receive his love. God's love starts it all. And this is what Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. So God's love is your source. You start here. All right, you with me? This is going to be a progression. Those of you who are like linear thinkers and, you know, doers and actors, you're going to like this. There's a progression here. You ready? It starts with God's love. It's our source. Now watch this. Jesus says, now, remain in my love. Okay, all right, all right, okay. So God loved you. All right, so God's God's your source. So you love us because God loved you. Okay, I get that. Now remain in my love. Okay, I think I'm following you here, Jesus. Now how do I do that? How do I do that? Watch this. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love. This is how you remain in my love. You keep my commands. You will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So the way of love when it comes to Jesus is through his commands. So if God is my source, then his commands are my path. So it starts with God and his love. And the pathway that he wants us to travel are his commands. All right, you following me so far? Super easy, super easy so far. All right, here we go. So he says in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So if God is our source and his commands are our way, our pathway, his joy is our destination. You okay, following me so far? So Jesus says, the Father loved me, so I'm going to love you. Start with your source. Keep my commands. That's your pathway to me. And by the way, the destination, the end of this pathway, and it really it's not just the end. It's the whole journey along the way, is your complete joy. Now, Now, if I ask each one of you, how would you define complete joy? I might get as many different answers as there are people in this room, right? But however you define complete joy, I think we can all agree on it's a good thing, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I want joy in my life. And yeah, I'll take complete joy. And I'll also take God's complete joy in my life. Like, there's nothing that sounds more fuller, like, more just, like, richer. Like, th- there's nothing that just sounds more amazing than having God's complete joy in my life. So there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Um, I get to go to Spain and eat some amazing seafood paella, even though I'm vegan, Um I'm happy, right? But if my flight gets delayed and I don't get to go on the trip at all, I'm not happy. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy, like love and like faith, is a choice. I get to choose joy every day. No matter what comes my way, no matter what circumstances come my way, God has promised me that I can choose his joy in my life. He has a joy. It is happiness, but it's much more than just happiness. He has this thing that I can choose every day in my life, no matter what the circumstances are. And Jesus says, the Father loves me. Now I love you. And if you keep my commands... The end result is your joy will be complete in your life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. I love this. I love it because it's such a a beautiful description of what God has in mind for us. In our first and foremost primary relationship, our vertical relationship, us and God, God has laid out a pathway for a beautiful, healthy, fulfilling, complete relationship. It's sort of the ultimate, right? You and I get to live in this. It's amazing. It's so good. And we love to kind of stop right there, don't we? Like, like uh, it's sort of like we say, okay, I get that, and I want that, and I'm, choo- I'm going to choose to do that even, and I'm going to live in that, and I'm going to experience that. I hope you do the same thing, but that's not my responsibility. So, like, I sort of got mine, and I hope you get yours, but that's not really my deal, right? That, like, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's your deal. Like, you need to do that. And Jesus would say... Nope, that's not how it works. You don't get to have yours and hope you get yours, right? Like, you you don't get to say, I got mine, and I hope you get yours. In fact, I'm pulling for you. In fact, you know what? Let me just sort of, like, make this sound really, like, super spiritual. I'm really praying that you get yours. Nope. That's not how it works. Jesus says that's not how it works. We don't stop on the vertical. The vertical between you and God is intimately, divinely, irrevocably entwined with the horizontal relationships with others. You cannot stop with this relationship between you and God and call it good and hope that you ride out your days and someday you'll meet Jesus at the pearly gates and it'll be awesome. That's not how God designed this thing. He designed the vertical to be the starting point so that you can get busy with the horizontal. You start with your relationship with God and then you move to your relationship with other people. They're intertwined. You cannot separate them. You cannot divorce them. This is how God designed it. In fact, let me prove it to you using the words of Jesus. You ready? In verse 12, now this is the very next verse. Now remember, remember, I, and I hope you're checking with me. God loved Jesus, so Jesus loved his followers. He said, my commands are the pathway to complete joy. Remember? You all said, you all said, you raised your hands, every single one of you. No, you didn't. But in your heart, you raised your hands and you said, I want that. I want that. That's awesome. Give me that. Okay. Remember, you wanted this. Look at verse 12. So here's my command. Remember, my commands are the pathway to complete joy. Here's my command. Love each other as I have loved you. What Jesus Love each other as I have loved you. Oh no. No, Jesus. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't want to love other people like that. Maybe like a very select few, like maybe my immediate family or just like me, you know, sometimes um Maybe, but no, no, Jesus. Look, my command is this love each other as I have loved you. Loving each other is the doorway to healthy relationships. Loving each other is the fruit of a healthy relationship between you and God. You remember when Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch? If you remain in me and I remain and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. You can't help but bear fruit. In fact, you can't refuse to bear fruit. Like, you will bear fruit. This is the fruit he's talking about. Loving other people. You can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand. So, fortunately... Jesus teaches us how to do it. You're like, okay, Tim, even if I accept what you're saying, how do I do that? All right, well, let's just keep reading. Let's go right to the next verse. Here's here's what the next verse says. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on, man. Like, I just, I'm just following you. Like, okay, uh, okay. love other people. Love each other. This is my command. Love each other. Okay, all right, okay. I kind of have a feeling I, like I know where this is going. But then Jesus just comes out and says it. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So the very first way that you begin... To have health in your relationships is to choose community. Jesus says, if you want to follow after me, follow my commands. My command is to love other people, and here's how you love other people lay down your life for them. You know what happens when we live in community? We lay down our lives for each other. You know, it starts with just being intentional. Like, instead of me just holing up in my house all the time and, like, scrolling through my phone or watching Netflix or, you know, all the things, there's nothing wrong with those things. And we need those times, you know, to sort of fuel up and recoup and, you know, rest and do the things we need to do. But the way that we engage relationships in a healthy way is that we choose community. We be intentional about it. And, and can, I just, can I just push in just a little bit on you here this morning? Sure. sure. I, get, I get one sure, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the one sure, no matter what anybody else says. When you come here on a Sunday morning, you're choosing to take the first step toward community but if all you do is show up on a Sunday morning, you are not in community with us. You're just not. I don't know anything about you, and you don't know anything about me, other than what I tell you from up here. If all we do is interact on a Sunday, it takes more than that. It takes us being in relationship together. You know, we have a saying around here. We just love this saying, burritos build bridges. Right? So so how many burritos have we had together? That is like a litmus test, Santa Cruz style, for how deep is our relationship? Have we spent time together? Have we shared cups of coffee? Have we walked together on East Cliff as we've talked about what God is doing in our lives? Have we shared a burrito? In fact, we talk about internally, you want, you want a little inside peek on, on sort of, the conversations that our, our leadership team has, when we have to have a hard conversation with somebody, one of the first questions we ask is, how many burritos are you in so far? Like, it's a whole lot easier for me to have a tough conversation with you if we've shared some time together, right? Than the opposite. And so what is it for you? Choose community. When Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is what it means to lay down your life. It means to give of yourself. Give your time. Get up early. I have some friends who community for them means getting a cup of coffee and walking East Point at like 7 a.m. God have mercy on our souls 7 a.m. That means you got to, like, get up and get out the door from my house at, like, 6.40. Whew. Man, I'm laying down my life for you when I do that, right? Um, you know, when there's people around you who have needs, prayer. Um, when there are people around, you know, our son is at an internship at a church in Columbus, Georgia this summer, and he needed to raise some funds to be able to go and do that ministry internship. And we reached out to some friends within our circle, and we said, hey, here's what's happening, or he did. Here's what's happening. Would you partner with me? And people are sending in in checks to help him do ministry this summer uh, in Georgia, right? Um, We need each other. We lay down our lives when we pray for each other, when we get together with each other, when we have burritos together, when we give to each other. Um, We lay down our lives when we give of our time, right? All these things. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's not a big dramatic, I'll take a bullet for you. And I I would. I I would take a bullet for you. But how about I take a 7 a.m. burrito and coffee for you? Right? And some of you, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. That sounds amazing. I'll do that any day. Uh, awesome. Well, let me know, and I'll refer you. When people ask me, uh, I'll say, actually, I have a friend who loves 7 a.m. Um, all right, let's keep going because there's more to this passage. So Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, Jesus says, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And so we choose community, but we also choose Jesus as our model. Right? Jesus did these things. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus learned from his father, and then he passed on what he learned. Do you know that I need to know what you know? I need to hear from you what you're learning from God. Because that's how I'm going to learn from God. And you know what? You need to hear what I'm learning from God. This is what happens. This is what happens in the way of Jesus. He goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you may go and bear much fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so here's the third choice we need to make: choose to give your fruit away. Yeah, I talked about this before, but I have a uh, we had a, we used to have three peach trees, and when they came in, when they were ripe and ready to harvest, you could not give them away fast enough. There were so many, and we just gave them away. We sold them. We Brought them to church. We, like we, we did everything we could. We canned them. We froze them. We did, we, like, we did everything. And then we still had more. And every year there were peaches that went bad because we couldn't give them away fast enough. When God gives you fruit in your life, which he promises, he's given it to you so that you can give it away. The fruit you bear in your life will feed you for sure. But you have way more fruit then you could possibly eat yourself. God designed it so that you could give that fruit away. This is the heart of God. Now watch this. We get all the way to the last verse now. The next verse says this. This is my command, love each other. He just restates what he started out talking about. And here's the truth that we know in all of this, that to dwell with God is to love others. If you want to dwell with God in healthy relationships, it means to love others. It's a commitment that you and I have to make.
0: We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways that you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.